0: And I want you to hear this as you would a tongue and interpretation or a prophecy. Because I really feel this is of the Lord today. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. Jesus did not leave us like orphans. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides in every believer. He is in you. And it says that he will give us this advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus said, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. He's given our orphan heart a name. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. I love this passage. It says, I'll come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me. Jesus is saying he's going back to heaven to the Father. But you'll see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Don't ever think that you are alone. Now, you might feel lonely. I understand that. There's times that I feel lonely. You can be surrounded by crowds of people and feel lonely. But you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will never leave you. In a few weeks later in the month, I've asked one of my best friends, Pastor Sal Damari, who pastors Praise Center, the Foursquare Church here in town. He's going to come and be our guest speaker, and he's going to talk specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because in this day and age, friends, in this culture we live in, I just want you to know that there is power available through the Holy Spirit. Available for you. Would you stand? I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great congregation. And I thank you, Lord, that you have not left them to figure this out on their own. I thank you for teachers and prophets and, uh, you know, books and resources But Lord, our best teacher is the one that lives within us, and that's the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the advocate, the one that is called alongside to help us. And I pray that every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room or watching on live stream, will realize the Holy Spirit will never leave them and is there to equip them to rise to the occasion. To have the joy of the Lord, to have the peace of God, no matter what's happening around them. I pray, oh God, that you will fill us all with an awareness of your Holy Spirit. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for our special Sunday where we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For those who have not received, I pray, God, that they will come anticipating a great and miraculous experience at these altars knowing, Lord, that there is that endowment of power that comes from yielding to your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to uh, speak this morning on counting the stars, and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 15 as I begin my uh, opening remarks. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite times of the week is Thursday morning because I get to gather with a group of men that I can learn from, because they're older than I am, they have experience that I don't have, they've walked with the Lord, whether it's a a Stan Johnson or a Victor or a Virgil. You know, Dennis Hendricks, I, I miss Dennis. He was such a good friend of mine. And he always honored those who had gone before. He was always talking about the Dick Rices of our life. Because he understood, and I'm beginning to understand, the importance of having role models that we can follow. But you know, the Bible is full of role models. Maybe we weren't personally acquainted with Paul or Barnabas or Daniel or Jacob But the Holy Spirit has led the writers of the Scripture to share with us part of their life as an example and inspiration for us. So this morning, I want to talk about a guy that you've probably heard of. His name is Abraham. He's introduced really early in the Scripture in the book of Genesis. And I want us to see what we can learn from Abraham's life that will apply to where we live in 2022, okay? Now, let me just give you kind of a quick overview. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and the first 11 chapters, chapters 1 through 11, covers like the creation story, the fall of Adam and Eve where they ate the apple. It talks about Noah and the flood. And the ark, the events then that happened after the flood, because you know the spiral continued downward, even though the earth was repopulated. And of course, there was the building of this tower called Babel. They built this tower that ultimately led to the scattering of the nations and confusion of languages. So that's kind of the first 11 chapters. Then in chapter 12, Through the end of Genesis, which is chapter 50, really the entire focus is on one man and all of his descendants, and his name was Abram. Now later it was changed to Abraham, but originally it was Abram. And he had this wife, and her name was Sarai. Sarai's name was eventually changed to Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah, and they are great role models for us. Not because they were perfect. In fact, they're good role models because they weren't perfect. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I mess up every week. I am so glad for the grace of God. If I had a role model that had never made a mistake, I'm not sure how confident I would be in following that. I appreciate role models that are real. So Abraham, along with Moses and King David, um, you know, some of the most important Old Testament characters that are recorded in the Bible. And Abraham's someone that we want to get to know. So that's why I've decided this morning to look at his story. His father uh, was a man by the name of Terah. And Terah packed up his possession... Now, this is after Abram had married Sarai. Terah packed up all his possessions and took his whole family, which included his son and daughter-in-law. It included his nephew, a guy by the name of Lot. And they took off. They moved north. And they were headed to a place called Canaan, which we call the Promised Land. But they only got as far as Haran. And they settled down and they made their home in Terran. And that's where Terah died. So Abraham's father died in this journey. And at that point, Abram himself was 75 years old. But God spoke to him. God will speak to you whether you're 7 years old or 75 years old. If you just open your ears. Now, this is what the scripture says, that God instructed Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. This is not my text. This is in chapter 12. And he says to Abram, I'll make you a great nation and you will be a great blessing. And I will bless those who bless you And whoever curses you, man, they're going to be on my bad side, and I'm going to curse them. But all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you, Abram, right after his father died. Now take a moment and let that sink in. Imagine that God spoke those words to you. It's quite an honor, isn't it? And it's quite a promise to make to this childless nomad. He didn't have any kids. He didn't even have a home. He was a nomad. He was wandering around. And one could rightfully probably say, well, Abram didn't have a home, didn't have any land, didn't have any children. How in the world could he become a great nation? But when God promises you something, you don't have to figure out how he's going to fulfill that promise. You can just stand assured that God will come through. And he will fulfill what he has promised to you. So what did Abram do? Well, he left Haran and he moved in this direction of Canaan. And then he continued southward. And at that time, there was this famine, a shortage of food in Canaan. So he decided then to head east toward Egypt because he thought maybe things would be better there. And there, man, the story takes a turn. (laughs) And again, if you think... Genesis or any book in the Bible is a collection of stories about good people doing good things all the time, you're in for a surprise because that's not true. Sometimes you'll encounter good people doing the wrong things, doing selfish things, like some of us who really want to follow the Lord. We're good people. Our heart's in the right place, but sometimes we do wrong things. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we do selfish things. Sometimes we do stupid things. And that's what Abram did. He arrives here in Egypt, and he's afraid that when they see how beautiful his wife is, they're going to kill him and capture his wife. So you know what he does? He makes a really dumb choice. And he says to his wife, I tell you what, why don't you just pretend to be my sister instead of my wife? And they'll see how beautiful you are, and if they think you're my sister, then I'm going to receive special treatment because they're going to treat me well. And it was nothing more than deception. And, you know, there's times that we can justify... (laughs) Claiming our wife is our sister. I'm not saying literally that, but you know what I'm referring to. Are There are things in our life that sometimes we compromise. And they make sense to us. To our flesh. <laughs> to our feelings. To our understanding of things. But the Bible says, don't trust in your understanding. Trust in the goodness of God. Well, Abram deceived the king of Egypt. Now, you'd think at that point that God would probably say, that's it, Abram. I take back my promise. You're canceled. You know, like the cancel culture. If you don't like something, you just don't do any. You just cancel them out of your life. You would think God would have done that. But that's not what happened. God did not forsake his promise to Abram, and God will not forsake his promise to you, no matter if you've made mistakes. Man, that's encouraging to me. Now, what happened? Well, God sent trouble on Pharaoh's household, maybe not to punish him as much as to kind of wake him up to that something was wrong. There was something wrong in this situation. And when Pharaoh finally got to the bottom of it and found out what Abram had done, he said, why in the world did you do that? You brought all this trouble into my house by lying that your wife was your sister. Now take your wife and all your possessions and get out of here. Leave Egypt. I don't want anything to do with you. You've caused problems for me. I love the fact the Bible is so raw and honest. You know, Abraham is a leading character of the Old Testament. But the Bible never cast any of its leading characters as superheroes. (laughs) In fact, the Bible goes out of its way, I think, and many times to show us that the leading characters are super flawed. Oh, we could talk about Peter. We could talk about Paul. We could talk talk about a lot of people that sometimes we tend to put on pedestals and think that they're superheroes. But no, they were just, they were super flawed. But they had hearts that always knew to return to God, to Jesus Christ, who is our superhero. It's all about Jesus. We're super flawed. Jesus is our superhero. God continues, friends. Man, if you are listening today, God continues to love you in spite of where you are right now. He continues to want to use you even if you've made dreadfully stupid mistakes. Some of you have a call of God upon your life. Maybe to be a missionary, maybe to be a pastor, maybe to be a small group leader, maybe to be on the worship team, maybe to be a volunteer in children's ministry. And you're thinking, ah, nope, I've disqualified myself because of, you fell in the blank. No, that's you. That's Satan lying to you. God continues to love and to use people who have flaws, people who make mistakes. Abram and Sarai and their nephew Lot left Egypt. (laughs) They were kind of kicked out by the Pharaoh. So then they turned north and they went to a place called Bethel. And by that time, Abram was actually a pretty wealthy man, as was his nephew Lot. But the land was not big enough to support two families. You know the, the plan here. Abram gave his nephew Lot, first choice, which is a whole nother sermon about you know preferring someone else, and that's exactly what Abram did. He gave nephew the option on where to live. Lot chose the land at the east of them, a place that we know uh, as Sodom and Gomorrah. Now we're at chapter 15. We're at my text. Genesis chapter 15. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord. What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will he inherit all my wealth? You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. Again, notice the honesty of Abraham. But God doesn't criticize Abram. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir for you, will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. Wow, have you ever been outside on a dark night and seen thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of stars in the sky? After all Abram had done up to this point, all of his failures, all of his deceitfulness, verse 6 says, And Abram believed the Lord. Friends, some of you just need to believe. You don't have to try to figure out how it's all going to work out. You simply have to believe. Man, when I was a little kid, we used to sing almost every Sunday during our prayer time, only believe, only believe, all things are possible, only believe. Boy, I remember my mom on the piano and Sister Morland wailing on that little organ only believe only believe all things are possible only believe man and abraham believed <laughs> and then let's finish the verse because there's a comma there not a period and the lord counted him As righteous. (laughs) Why? Because of all his actions, his behaviors? No. Because he believed. Because of his faith, he was righteous in the eyes of God. How simple is that? If we simply believe God, if we obey God, if we trust God, he sees us as righteous, even when we mess up. And there's some things we can learn today from Abraham, some things that we can follow in his life. And that's what I want to talk about in the time we have left, three essential qualities that were evident now, if you have a pen, I encourage you to take notes. I've got maybe five or six scriptures that won't be up on the, on the screen. You can look them up later. You can go to wfa.church slash and you can get all the notes there too. We're going to move fast. Three essential quanti- quanti- uh, qualities. And the first one is, no matter where Abraham was in this journey, there was a pattern of belief. Even when he disobeyed, even when he was deceptive, he had a belief in God. Now, it could be argued that Abraham was sometimes a bit of a coward. Maybe that he wasn't a very good husband. And he definitely wasn't really a very good father. But you know something? He was like us. We can relate to him. He was a man who had flaws. But through it all, he believed God. And as a result, God proclaimed him as righteous. Man, this should be such an encouragement to all of us. All we need to do is believe. Genesis uh, 15-6 says, uh, it's the heart of the gospel, really. The, The scripture we just read. It's our righteousness with God That comes by faith. You're never going to be good enough to earn God's love or God's favor. Here's what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for it is by, what's the word? Grace. Say with me, it is by grace that you have been saved through what? Faith. It's by grace through faith. And our faith isn't even of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Talk about a loving God. He says, you need to have faith in me. I know it's going to be hard for you, so I'll give you the faith so that you can have faith in me. And the more you use your faith, the stronger it becomes. It's not by works. We see throughout the book of Genesis how God takes those who are flawed, those who men and women who have made bad choices, who have sinned. And you know what he does? He forms them into men and women of godly character. I like that. And that's what he wants to do in my life. That's what he wants to do in your life. His work begins by our faith in his promise. Faith in Jesus Christ. Because we can't save ourselves... We're incapable, really, of even managing our lives. How could I save myself spiritually? It's hard for me to, you know, make the decisions I need to make. But Jesus came into the world. He lived a perfect life. He died this violent and shameful death on a cruel cross, naked and alone. But in doing so, he paid the price for my sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we're living in a society, we hear a lot about, you know, justice, people demanding justice, we should demand justice, but when someone does something wrong, you know, we say society demands that they they have a debt to society and they have to pay it, whether that's a fine or jail time or whatever it is. So it shouldn't really surprise us to see that same principle at work in our spiritual life. It's called the principle of accountability. Make sure your sins will find you out, not because God is a bad guy looking to, you know, hit you on the head with a club. It's just the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. Wrong must be paid for. And the problem we have, you and me and everyone else on planet Earth, is that we're all guilty of wrongs that we can never make right. Because of my sin, I've got this enormous burden. That's the gospel message, is that Jesus came to forgive my sin, to take that burden. When Jesus died on the cross, somehow his death paid the price for my sin, for the sins of the world, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How do we do that? Same way Abraham did. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So think about this for a moment. Even when Abraham was busy, even when he made mistakes, even when he lost sight of the promise, he never lost sight of the one who gave him the promise. Let me say that again. Even when Abraham lost sight of the promise, he never lost sight of the one who made the promise. He never lost his faith in God. And if you and I want our life full of blessings, we got to keep believing. We just have to keep on believing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Abraham was blessed, first of all, because his life reflects this pattern of belief. Despite his behavior, despite his choices, we've got to believe. Secondly, we'll see in Abraham's life a pattern of worship. Not just a pattern of belief, but he took that belief and he translated it into worship. Now, sometimes we think of worship as, you know. 20 or 25 minutes, singing songs of praise on a Sunday morning with fellow believers. It's a wonderful way to worship the Lord, but it's not the only way to worship the Lord. Boy, we worship the Lord with our lifestyle. We worship the Lord by the way we treat our wife and our kids. We worship the Lord by the way we obey his commandments. We worship the Lord with our honesty and our integrity Back in chapter 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'll give you this land and all your descendants. And what did Abraham do? He built an altar to God. That's the way he worshipped. That's the Old Testament, pre-Jesus, before the cross, he built an altar. Genesis twelve eight says, after that, Abraham traveled south, and he set up camp in the hill country, and he went to Bethel. And there he built another altar. That says another, which means that he built a first one. He probably built multiples. I'm talking about patterns of life. Do you have a pattern of belief? Do you have a pattern of worship in your life? When he and Lot went their separate ways in Genesis 13, 18, It says, Abram moved his camp to Hebron. He settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, and there he built another altar. I wish I would have had time this week to actually go through and count how many altars Abraham built in his lifetime. Every step of the way, every stop of the way on his journey, And you and I have stops in our journey, don't we? We might not measure it the same way. We might not be moving from community to community. But you have stops in your journey. That job, that divorce, that death, that betrayal. You have stops in your journey. Abraham took time at every stop to worship God. And friends, the Christian life is about more than just acknowledging God's presence. You have to move from belief to honoring God's presence, which is called worship, to celebrating God's presence. God wants his people to praise him. He inhabits, the Bible says, the praises of his people. Why? Well, not because he, he needs to hear it. It's really because we need to say it. See, he knows what's best for us. Just like you know what's best for your kids, and they might not understand it. One of the reasons he tells us that we need to praise him is not for his benefit. It's for our benefit gets our eyes off of our problems, gets our eyes off of ourselves and onto Jesus. It's honoring him. It's our way of building altars. We need to acknowledge him at every turn, every stop. We need to acknowledge his existence in creation. We need to acknowledge his handiwork in our lives. We need to acknowledge our need of him, our gratitude for all that he has done and all that he's promised to do. God said to Moses back in Deuteronomy, it's known as the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And these words which I command this day shall be in thine heart." He's talking there about living a life that reflects a pattern of worship. Uh, How do we do that? Well, Abraham, as we know, he he took time to build an altar. We're not going to build a physical altar, although I hope that you have some place in your home that is a quiet spot. Is that big brown chair that you just sit in and read your Bible and commune with the Lord? Or maybe is that little shop out back? I was showing Pat Davis a sign that was in her father's shop. Ray Reams lived on Harrison. When I first came, he'd say, come on back to The Gap. And I'd say, The Gap? It was a A portable shop that he had put behind his house. He repaired pianos there. But more than that, he stood in the gap for people who needed prayer. I never left that little shop without being prayed for by Ray Reams. See, that was his altar. Where do you have to go to meet with God? I thought about that. Do you journal? I'd encourage you to journal. Maybe put a plaque on your wall, someplace that you'll be able to see and refocus on wanting God as the center of your life. Maybe for a while you should take the funny wallpaper off your phone and put something on your wallpaper so that every time you turn on your phone, it reminds you somehow that God is present in your life today and that you wanna give him the honor that he deserves. If you want your life to be blessed, there's gotta be a pattern of belief, there's gotta be a pattern of worship, and thirdly, there's gotta be a pattern of patient perseverance. (laughs) You just gotta keep on keeping on. Just keep on plotting. When Abram was 75 years old, God told him, I'm going to make you a great nation, and he promised a son. That son did not come the next year. That son did not come within four or five years. A decade went by. That son still wasn't there. He believed he continued to worship. (laughs) But he continued to patiently persevere. Did you know that it was 25 years later, 25 years later before Abram finally got his son and Isaac was born? Now, let me ask you a question. How long are you willing to wait for the blessing God has promised to you, for the fulfillment of the promise God has made to you? How long? Sometimes, friends, we give up right at the brink of our miracle. What happens if Abram would have just chucked it all 15 years into the process? What if he would have waited 24 years and then given up? It was the 25th year. God always comes through, but, you know, many people throughout the century have reminded us that it's generally at 11.59 that God comes through. We want Him to be there early afternoon and we begin sweating when it becomes dinner time and when it's time to go to bed and we still don't have our promise fulfilled we think, oh man, we begin to waver in our faith, but God always comes through at the right time. There's a story his name was R.U. Darby And he was a prospector, prospecting for gold out west. Actually, he believed it was one of the richest mines in Colorado, the territory that would have been later the state of Colorado. The early returns were promising. But the veins of gold disappeared. And the more he followed the veins of gold, he became convinced, man, this is a bust. I I better just pack up my things, count my losses. So he sold all of his equipment to a junk man, and he headed back home, back to the East Coast. And this junk man decided, well, it's not going to hurt to take another look. He didn't have much money, but he hired an engineer to do a little bit more testing, a little bit more calculating. And the story says the vein of gold was discovered three feet from where Darby had stopped drilling he was in three feet of his pot of gold and he gave up now the lesson here for you and me taken from the life of Abram is patient perseverance you don't want to give up on God's blessing when you're just that close Paul said it this way, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let us run with perseverance. That means you keep on keeping on. You put one foot in front of the other foot, and you keep on keeping on. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. Not on the vein of gold, not on how we're feeling about things. Now, if people are supporting us or not, not if things are coming together. It says, run the race, but fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Amen. And what is it that God counts as righteousness? Faith. Now, think about that. Tie those two things together. Genesis 15:6. Hebrews 12, 2. Run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Man, it's not enough, friends, to start the race. You need to run with the intent to finish the race. Abraham experienced God's blessing in his life because he just didn't ever give up. His life presented a pattern of patient perseverance one more scripture and then we'll be done galatians chapter 3 verse 29 if you belong to christ then you are abraham's seed (laughs) see why this is an important lesson today if you belong to christ then you are abraham's seed comma and heirs according to the promise He's saying that God wants to bring his blessings into our life, just like he did Abraham. Next time, on a clear, dark night, step outside and look up into the heavens. Can you see those stars? Can you count them? Those are really the blessings God wants to continue to bring into our life. Those stars represent peace and joy and power and meaning and purpose and provision. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't give up. I know that the American in us wants and often demands things right now. We don't want to wait. But God says his promises will be fulfilled at the proper time. Let us not become weary in doing good. For proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let's be in the race to finish. And it's not a sprint. Christian life is not a sprint. We're talking about a marathon here. Seriously. I did a marathon, I finished. I didn't run the whole thing because at about mile 21, I really, I don't know, I just thought I was gonna collapse and Jesus was gonna take me home. That was the most, I don't know why I did that. That was really, that was a stupid decision running that marathon. I had to walk, I had to walk. And as I was walking, I was thinking, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna finish. It's not about how fast I can get there. It's just that I get to the end and get my marathon medal, right? And that's the same way for you and I. Sometimes you walk. Sometimes you skip. Sometimes you jump. Sometimes you're sprinting. But keep going. If you and I can learn three things from Abraham, this is it. We need a pattern of faith. We need a pattern of worship. And we need a pattern Of patient perseverance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that teaches us through people who have walked this life of faith before us. And thank you, Lord, that these weren't perfect people, these were people just like we are in this room today. They made mistakes, they sinned, they were disobedient. But God, today from the life of Abraham, we've learned some things that I ask that each and every one of us will incorporate into our life. Lord, may we have a pattern of belief. Even when our prayers aren't answered, even, oh God, when things don't work out the way that we want them, may we seek not the answers, but may we seek you, the giver of answers. And Lord, help us all establish a pattern of worship. Thank you for these that are gathered today to worship corporately in this building. But Lord, I pray that each of us this week will find other ways of worshiping you. Maybe it's that time that we're at a stoplight. Maybe it's when you answer a prayer that we immediately stop and just give you a moment of praise. Maybe we'll write it in our prayer journal as a reminder that you have come through for us. Help us to have those altars during the stops of our spiritual journey. And then finally, Lord, I just pray you'll give us the power to persevere. God, I sense there are people in this room today that are just tired, they're worn out. But God, I pray that you will give them the energy just to take the next step. Doesn't have to be a a long jump. Maybe it's only a two-inch step. But God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is there to help them. And as they patiently persevere, they will see the promises of God fulfilled in their life. So, Lord, help us this week to be like Abraham, to be people who believe, who worship, and will be persistent. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.